0: If I'm not free within my own skin, where am I free? These people out here that are closing and attempting to stop abortion, and we choose to take them on politically and, you know, defeat their arguments.
1: I mean, to compare Planned Parenthood to the KKK and, and to, uh, like, Hitler's army to me is a little bit ridiculous. I
2: don't know, I think everybody has the right to their own opinion. And I have my beliefs and that's fine, but I don't go out and pushing it in people's face or ask people to believe what I believe or say that they're wrong or right in their own actions. That's completely relative. There's
0: also that group of individuals who really would like to see a purified race, if you will. We've learned a lot about Darwin's racists who really determined through the lives of Margaret Sanger to put abortion clinics in communities where the disenfranchised and the poor and the black and the Hispanic community live to rid our society of those that didn't look like them. And so when you have that mindset, then certainly life is not valuable. You can discard it if they don't meet your expectations or your standards.
2: If there's a topic that just will not go away and a topic that just doesn't need to go away, it's the topic of abortion. Welcome to Evidence and Answers with Dr. Pat Zuckerman. I'm Kevin Harris, and we're gonna dive head on into the abortion issue today. You may have found yourself so immune to this whole topic that you don't even know how to defend what you believe about abortion anymore. And this has been a battle for so long, Pat, that uh, maybe we've gotten complacent.
1: Yes, maybe we have, Kevin, you know, but you know, with this new administration, the Obama administration right now as we're taping, we've seen some of the most radical abortion bills attempting to be passed by the Congress during this administration. And so we need to enter and engage the culture with powerful arguments countering the ideas which the abortionists bring. And so part of the job of this show is to equip each one of you who are part of the pro-life movement with insight and information and the ability to engage in this arena and present a powerful case for the pro-life position. Now with us today we've got a very special guest we have Carmen Pate. She's the former president of the Concern Women for America. Many of us were once card-holding or are card-holding members of that organization. Even if we're men we That's can right. Still. <laughs> She's been active in the pro-life movement for 25 years she serves on the board of 40 Days for Life National Campaign She's the mother of three three children and six grandchildren, and so she's a special guest with us today. Carmen, welcome to the show.
0: Oh, thank you. It's my pleasure.
1: Carmen, you're going to be sharing some unique personal experiences Mm -hmm. in this whole arena of abortion, but as we begin, Carmen, let me ask you, why should Christians be concerned about abortion?
0: Well, you know, we are talking about the taking of life. Uh, And life that has value, life that was created in the image of God, uh, life that God gave with a purpose, and for man to decide that he will be God and allow life to be taken because it is inconvenient or to be taken because he deems that it's not valuable Puts all of us at risk, not only the unborn, but what about the aged? What about the handicapped? What about those whose minds are not as intellectually bright as others? So, really, it puts all life at risk because it truly desensitizes the value of life.
1: Right. That's the key there. The value of life mm-hmm. becomes diminished. And there's a direct connection, isn't there, with abortion and euthanasia and those other issues that you mentioned.
0: Yes, absolutely. Because, you know, oftentimes we talk about abortion. It's framed in political realms. Well, it's about choice. It's about privacy. But when we talk about abortion, we're talking about a spiritual battle here. It is a spiritual issue. Uh, the enemy is out to destroy, and he does so through deception. And so oftentimes when young women are faced with an unplanned pregnancy, which began with a choice that they made. So they're in a a consequence now of what do I do with this unplanned pregnancy? The lies begin to creep in. They begin to believe the lie, first of all, that my life is over. Perhaps they had planned to a young high school girl and she planned to go to college. She has her career plans. Uh, Maybe she's going to get married someday. But right now, a baby has been thrown into her life. And so for her... Her life is over. Maybe her young boyfriend is feeling the same way. So we have to make a choice that, sadly, is a very selfish choice to say, let's end this life so that our life can continue. But, Pat, that's, that's a direct life because we know that the taking of that life is not going to make their life better. and In fact, it's going to bring heartache that will last the rest of their lives. Well,
1: Carmen, you know, what is the driving force behind the abortion industry? I mean, we're told it's about freedom of choice. Is that true?
0: Well, it really isn't. First of all, there's a couple of things. It's one about greed. There's a lot of money in the abortion industry, and there have been individuals who have made lots and lots of money and want to make more. There's also that group of individuals who really would like to see a purified race, if you will. We've learned a lot about Darwin's racist, who really determined through the likes of Margaret Sanger, to put abortion clinics in uh, communities where the disenfranchised and the poor and the black and Hispanic community lived, to rid our society of those that didn't look like them. And so when you have that mindset, then certainly life is not valuable. You can discard it if they don't uh, meet your expectations or your standards. So you have greed, and you have this—the desire to to get rid of life, uh, so that your life can be made better—a very selfish uh, decision and and selfish view of life.
1: So it's not a courageous fight for freedom and the American value of. The freedom of the woman is it
0: no it it definitely isn't and oftentimes what is overlooked as well are the consequences not only to the woman but to the extended family of that woman in fact to the community and to the church Abortion doesn't affect just one person. When it's all said and done, it ends up impacting as many as 40 or 50 people in their circle of influence. But we know that there are physical and psychological consequences for a woman who chooses abortion. And only in recent years have we learned that those consequences also uh, impact the the man, Uh, We have more and more men coming forward as women are coming forward and saying, I have been harmed by this abortion, either physically, emotionally, spiritually, or all three. And those stories are being told more and more. And we need for those stories to be told so that we can get to the truth about the impact of abortion.
2: Carmen and Pat, I saw an article in a very prominent men's health magazine, and it was a question from a reader put into an essay, basically said, I'm pro-life, how do I tell my girlfriend? Mm. And the implication of that is, "Yes, is, I'm so out of it, I'm so behind the times being pro-life, how in the world am I going to tell my my girlfriend who is a normal human being?
0: Oh, wow! And so
2: the indication there is, uh, I was going to ask you, you've done some media battles, uh, being president of Concerned women for Americans. Yes. So on. have the media softened at all on this issue, or do they still go after you very hard?
0: Oh, the media still goes after you very, very hard. One of the things, though, they've lost one of their arguments, and that is that we're not talking about a human being. Oh. Uh, they, they, Because of medical uh, technology, uh, just the technology that we have with 3D uh, sonograms, et cetera, uh, it's very difficult for them to continue that argument that it's not a human being. Mm. So now what they do, they focus on personhood, and they determine that, uh, well, it's not a person until it is born. So therefore, uh, it is okay to take this human life.
2: It's human, but it's not a person—it's human, but it's not personal.
0: Yes, yes, and and you know, it's it's really uh, when you think about defending a life, this it's a there, it's an argument that is easy to win because usually they'll focus on uh, three or four different areas. One area of focus is that of size. That while, you know, you're just talking about. Uh, a, a small little mass. It doesn't even look like a human yet. It uh, uh, they'll often say, oh, it looks like a tadpole," and it's nothing that you need to be concerned about. Uh, but, but we can quickly respond by saying, "Well, does size give us our value?" So, what if a larger human uh, is a larger human more valuable than a smaller human? You know, men are oftentimes larger than women. Does that make the man more valuable? Well, certainly not. it's a it's a it's a, a really a, a foolish argument that size would would uh, make a difference. Another argument that they'll give is, well, their mind is not developed. They're really not capable of being even self-aware. But that's a dangerous step for us to go into because, I think of people who are uh, comatose. What about people who have Alzheimer's? Uh, what about uh, those you know who are mentally handicapped? They may not be self-aware. Are we saying that they're not as valuable as someone who uh, has a high IQ and is fully aware of, of the things that are going on around them? So, again, that's an argument that, that we can win very quickly.
2: Have you noticed, Pat, that all of these arguments that Carmen is giving – are secular arguments I mean obviously from a biblical worldview the the personhood and made in God's uh, image the person made in God's image is intact but these are very if you will secular reasons for
1: being pro-life right mm. she's providing good medical reasons why we should be pro-life you know and uh, it's amazing to me how our culture can use these kind of arguments if you step back and look at it they're not very good arguments are they yet <laughs> no. we embrace them yes. uh, you know as valid arguments for abortion i find that quite amazing
0: oh it it is incredible to me one of the, the one that always gets me is the idea that well in the womb we can we can take the life of that baby in the womb so what you're telling me is that you know there's like 8 inches in a birth canal So from in in that eight inches, we can kill it in the womb, but we can't kill it outside the womb. So you're telling me that it has value as long as it's inside, but doesn't have value outside. Eight inches, we move this child, and all of a sudden, the child has value. That makes no sense at all. Uh, So location, the environment, should make no difference whether or not that child has value. The child has value because God says that child has value. God says, this child is made in my image. He is the giver of life. Uh, so, so, no, there's, there, there really is no reason that the location of the child should not make a difference.
1: Well, Carmen, you mentioned earlier that abortion affects about 40 to 50 people. It's not just the individual that's, that's affected. Right. Yet we're taught, well, it's just an individual's choice. Expand on that a little bit. Who are the people that are affected?
0: Well, certainly the father of the child is is impacted. Uh, Now, what we've learned as more and more men are coming forward and saying, I, too, am suffering from the after effects of the abortion. Perhaps they paid for it. Perhaps they forced their girlfriend or their wife to get this abortion. There are some men, however, who knew nothing about it until it was said and done, and they too are suffering the loss of that child. And so we're hearing from these these men that they are impacted. Siblings have lost a sibling. Grandparents uh, have lost a grandchild. But what happens as well, because oftentimes people who choose abortion do not recognize the impact that it is having on them personally for a period of time. Uh, and what I, where I'm going with this is, is that oftentimes there's nightmares, there's depression, uh, there's a lot of things emotionally that happen to that individual where all of a sudden they're not able to participate in activities that the, they once did. They may not be as involved in church, for example. Uh, maybe they don't feel like they're worthy of being a part of church. Maybe they used to serve in church. Well, certainly they couldn't serve now that they have have had an abortion. It could even affect their, their careers and their, their work environment. So the choice that they made all of a sudden has not only in fact affected them personally or the child but it also has impacted uh, impacted their immediate family, their church body, their community that they live in, their workplace. So people are impacted. Now, oftentimes, the connection is not made, and it's not oftentimes, sometimes it's not until they've had opportunity to get counseling and healing to see uh, the implications of, of their choice but it is long-term and it's much, much broader than is ever given credit for in, in mainstream media.
1: Yes. And, you know, the counseling that must go on mm. uh, with that individual or that couple also, you know, costs money, Yes, uh, costs the taxpayer, costs the insurance companies, you know, and all the families that must be involved in that whole process. Uh, the whole process of hiding and, and getting rid of that fetus and all of that you know it's expense uh, to the society not just the individual
0: yes yes there are a lot of lot of expenses involved and what you have to understand as well is that sometimes if an individual does not get the counseling that they need and the healing that they need uh which by the way only comes through jesus christ but if they don't get that healing uh oftentimes The decision to abort a child leads to other disorders in their lives. They may turn to drugs and alcohol to cover the pain. We've found that uh, like 80% of women who are in prison have had abortions. And, and, And the connection there is that the decision that they made to abort maybe led them to make other decisions. They think, well, you know what, I've already committed murder. They often will identify quickly that they have committed murder by taking the life of their child. So it justifies in their mind them doing other criminal acts.
2: Domino effect. Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's been slogan wars Carmen, um, in the whole uh, cultural abortion fight that uh, we've been involved in. And we'll have our slogans. They'll have their slogans. And they show up on bumper stickers. I don't see this anymore, but I used to see this bumper sticker all the time from the pro-abortion people. If you can't trust me with a choice, how can you trust me with a child? Mm. Have you ever seen that? I have seen
0: that. Now, at first you
2: think, well, wait a minute, that that makes sense uh, in kind of a surface way. How are we supposed to answer that?
0: Well, I think, you know, when we talk about choice, we talk about privacy. You know, it really misses the point. It really does, because really, what we're talking about is: Are we talking about a human being? If we are talking about a human being, then it takes it on takes it on a whole different level. If that child in the womb is a human being, we are talking about taking the life of a human being. Well, that's a no brainer then, because we it's it's not you know it's the women will say it's my body, my choice. Well, that's for her body, her choice, but what about the body and the choice for that child? So we, if, if it is if it's a human being, which we believe scientifically and medically has been determined, uh, then the question is, is it okay to take the life of a human being?
2: You know, students of logic at this point are going to recognize that this is commonly known as a category mistake, or an mm-hmm. apples and oranges yes. argument. It's comparing two things that are not in the same category, and therefore it's a false analogy. A child uh, is a human being and is not in the same category as a choice. And so I would take a black magic marker and write over that bumper sticker, category mistake. And it's Mm -hmm. like saying, can you smell the color blue? Well, you've got a category error there since Mm -hmm. uh, uh, blue is a color and it's not something that uh, can be smelled and so on. So it's a category mistake to say, if you can't trust me with a choice, how can you trust me with a child?
0: Yes. And and it's them also taking, taking advantage of, of just changing the language, you know, instead of... If, if the discussion on abortion was just about whether or not it's all right to take the life of a human being, it would have ended a long time ago. Mm-hmm. But by changing the language to talk about choice and privacy and women's rights... Uh, they're winning the battle in many in many aspects. So we have to take we have to take the language back and say, wait a minute, uh, we're going to choose the words, and the words are we're talking about the taking of the life of a human being.
1: Carmen, let's talk about another issue that's brought up, and it often goes like this: Well, if you outlaw abortion, then people are going to have back alley abortions, mm-hmm. and that's even more dangerous.
0: Oh, you know, How do you it,
1: answer that. Back to the coat hanger.
0: Yes, yes. You know, when you, when you go back, uh, I think of Bernard Nathanson, who was a, an abortionist. Matter of fact, he was one of the founders of the National Abortion Rights Action League in its previous name, under an, an, another name. But he talks about how that was a decision that was made within the organization that they would use that argument because they knew that it would sell. But it had no, uh, no facts to back it up. Yes, there were abortions that were done in the back alleys. Yes, there were abortions that were done by uh, doctors who didn't know what they were doing or individuals who weren't even doctors. But the numbers have been so skewed, uh, they're inaccurate. It's just not based on fact.
1: Well, here's another argument, Carmen. Well, then who goes to jail? Should we throw the girl in the jail or the doctor? Mm. Who should we prosecute?
0: Oh, that one does come up a lot. Well, then are, what are you saying that if we uh, outlaw abortion, that we need to send all of these young women who have chosen abortion to go to, to jail? And, and that's, that's ridiculous as well. This goes back to the point that abortion choices are made without informed choice. Without informed choice, for, for organizations who are pro-abortion, to talk about the idea of choice is almost comical because they don't give you a choice. They tell you that you are, are not carrying a child for one thing. They tell you that your life will be over and that the only choice that you can make is to have an abortion. This would be the only what, direction that you should go. All of the facts are not given to young women in most cases when they enter an abortion clinic regarding the consequences of abortion. So when a young woman goes in, she is in under duress. She is given only a little bit of information, and it would, it's only information that will ensure that she chooses abortion. And so her decision is made, and that's why so many women uh, regret their decision. That's why so many, because they never thought through really what was taking place, what was happening to that child that they were carrying, and what the long-term consequences would be.
1: Yes, we're talking about abortion with our special guest, Carmen Pate. Carmen is answering the arguments given by many in the pro-choice or the pro-abortion camp. And we've also been exposing and debunking many of the lies and false arguments that are presented there. Well, Carmen, in the last couple minutes we have here, what can we do to win this war on abortion, which I think is a winnable war?
0: Oh, it definitely is a winnable war. The hearts and minds in America are being changed about the issue of abortion. And the first thing I would say we can do is we can pray. And there is actually an organization which I'm happy to be a part of. It's called the 40 Days for Life Campaign. Twice a year, we encourage people, cities across the nation, uh, around the world, to join in 40 days of prayer and fasting and community outreach to tell the truth about abortion. And uh, our listeners can go to 4040daysforlife.org, 40daysforlife.org, and learn uh, about the next 40 Days event, which will begin in, in the middle of September. Uh, a great opportunity to come together, uh, to repent as a nation for allowing abortion to go on for this many years without really stopping it. And then also just to seek God's wisdom, His direction, and His intervention to see an end to abortion. Also, legislatively, we know that we have an administration, a Congress that is trying to outdo or overrule uh, all the good things that have been done by the pro life movement over the years through the Freedom of Choice Act. This is sort of being brought in stealth by stealth, if you will, through the health care reform debate that is now going on. I would encourage our listeners to visit StopTheAbortionMandate.com, StopTheAbortionMandate.com. And there you will learn uh, how the health care reform bill will be the largest expansion of abortion that we've seen in this nation since Roe v. Wade. Uh, You need to contact your legislators, let them know that you uh, are not in favor of abortion being covered by this. Uh, Abortion is not health care.
1: Thank you, Carmen. Thanks for being a guest. Uh, To hear this entire interview, uh, go to evidenceandanswers.org. So, Carmen, thanks for sharing your story. Thanks for being with us.
0: It's been my pleasure. Thanks for having me.
1: Next week, Carmen is going to join us again, and she's going to share her special story Uh, as you walk through this issue in a personal way. and It's going to be a very special show that we hope that you're going to want to hear. We look forward to seeing you again next week as we talk on this critical issue of abortion.
2: Well, thank you so much for joining us for Evidence and Answers with Dr. Pat Zuckerman. It's our hope to keep a quality program on the air and on the web that presents an intelligent response to the issues of our day and intellectually considers the claims of Christ in an honest and loving way. And we'd like to ask you to join us. Please support us with your tax-deductible financial gifts. One of the ways you can do that is by purchasing our resources available at evidenceandanswers.org. You can download past shows on everything from atheism to Zen Buddhism, read Pat's articles, and purchase Pat's new book with Dr. Norman Geisler, The Apologetics of Jesus. It's all at evidenceandanswers.org. That's evidenceandanswers.org. I'm Kevin Harris. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time on Evidence and Answers with Dr. Pat Zuccarin.